Well, we're going to jump into today what I think is probably one of the, likely one of the deepest and most profound sermons I've ever given. You're going to need to put on your scuba gear a little bit. We're going to go a little bit deep, but I think you're going to appreciate what we discover today. We're going to take a look at a moment in Jesus' life that if you've grown up in church, you're probably familiar with it. If you've not grown up in church, you're going to be like, wait a minute, I didn't know that was a side of Jesus. We're going to look at a side of Jesus that most of us don't think about, um, but you may know this story. And it's found in John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. John 2, 13 through 22. If you've got your Bibles or a tablet or phone, you can turn to it there. If not, it'll be up on the screen. It's a story of Jesus clearing the temple. It says, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered their coins of, of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who, who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. That's Psalm 69, verse 9. Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So here we have Jesus, and he goes into the temple. And what's he see in the temple? Well, he sees the temple priest. And the people taking care of the temple, he sees them using the temple to make money as a marketplace, right? As a place where goods are exchanged and and so on. And a lot of times we're quick to say, oh, see, you shouldn't be selling anything in church. But what we're going to get at today is a deeper meaning of the story. We're going to go beyond the surface of this and we're going to go a little bit deeper. In verse 19, Jesus makes a statement that literally sent shockwaves I believe, through not only the physical world, but the spiritual world. What do he say in verse 19? He's, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Lynn and I went to go see a movie this week, and one of the, thing, one of the scenes in the movie was like this boom, and it just showed shockwaves going out, like everywhere. And, and in my mind, I just picture when Jesus makes this statement, it's like a Right? And it just sends shockwaves out through the spiritual world and through our physical world. And when Jesus makes a statement like that, when he makes a statement like that that sends out shockwaves, it's time to sit up and take notice. And I believe that a lot of us in this room need to allow Jesus to speak over our lives and speak into our lives because a lot of us need a spiritual shockwave and a bomb to go off in our lives. For whatever reason. And so I hope this morning becomes one of those moments where there's a spiritual shockwave that just resonates through your soul, through your spirit, and hopefully even impacts your physical world. Jesus, in making this statement, is saying this. In verse 19, right, he says, 
When he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days, he's talking about his physical body. What are they thinking? Well, we know because their response says, it took our grandfathers 46 years to build this temple and you're going to rebuild it in three days? What are they thinking about? They're thinking about a physical building, right? Jesus, with this statement, isn't talking about a physical building. He's talking about his body. And in this single statement, he's announcing this. I'm done living in a building. I'm done being, what we'll get to in a minute, I'm done with the intersection of heaven and earth being in a building. And I am now going to make the human body the temple. That's what he's really saying. See, we think that, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus was talking about his death and resurrection. That's true. But he's also talking about, I am now going to make the human body the intersection of earth and heaven. So when, the whole, when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. He's making a very profound statement, not just about his death, but about all of those that would follow after him. That our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 through 20, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so he reiterates it. He, restate, he says, guys, listen, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. He puts the Holy Spirit in it, and then he begins to expect you to live like you have that God living inside of you. Luke writes in the book of Acts, Acts 17, verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He said God is done dwelling in a temple. He's going to start living in us. The temple was a shadow of what was to come. In theology, when you study the Bible, we have a thing called types and shadows, right? And if you go to any seminary or Bible school, they talk a lot about types and shadows. And in the Old Testament, we have a lot of types and shadows of what was to come in our era, the church age. The temple was a shadow or a type of Christian. It is what we are, or It was what we are now, right? And so God says, I designed this temple to be the intersection between heaven and earth. And that's point number one this morning. You are designed to be the intersection between heaven and earth. Just like the temple was designed in the Old Testament, right? If you can put put the circles up there. I'm a visual person, and so I just created this. I thought this might help. We live on earth Heaven wants to invade earth because if you remember right, God intended earth originally, before we messed it all up, God intended earth to be a mirror image of heaven, right? And so he put us in charge of it. We messed it up and God says, well, now I'm going to, I want heaven to literally invade earth. How am I going to do that? Well, prior to Jesus, he had the temple, and he found these people called the Jewish temple, the nation of Israel, and he said, you will be a nation, and it's all throughout the Bible, you will be a nation of priests. And the country, or the nation of Israel, were to be, they were designed by God to be spiritual bridge builders between heaven and earth. 
But something happened to them. Well, they did what comes natural in human nature. They started applying laws and rules and regulations, and you got to do this and that and this. And so they, they had, and as we'll get to it in a minute, they had become oppressive. And God's like, no, 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 I never intended heaven and earth to intersect in, in, in that intersection point to be oppressive to, hum, to humankind, right? And so, number one, the temple was designed to be the intersection of heaven and earth where we can experience God and, and God can receive our worship and so on. And the supreme act, really the supreme act and purpose of the temple from our point of view, from earth's point of view, was for sacrificial uh, animal sacrifice to God to cleanse us of our sins, right? The sacrificing of lambs or doves or some sort of innocent animal to represent, again, type and shadow in the Old Testament to what was coming, the perfect spotless lamb that would die on the cross. It was a type and a shadow of what was to come. But Jesus does something when he walks into the temple. It says he makes a whip, and he uses the whip, and he drives out the animals. He, in a single motion, gets rid of the sole purpose of the temple. In a single act, he removes the very reason the temple exists. And in that single act... When he does that, he says, this physical building no longer serves its purpose. Think about that for a minute. He says, this building no longer serves a purpose and drives out the animals. He just drives them out with a whip. Now, we've have a, now we have a dilemma. And that day, they're thinking, oh, snap, we have a problem. Not that Jesus is mad and not all that. We have a problem. Because if he's driving out the very, very reason this building exists, that means one of two things. Either God no longer wants to meet with us as humanity and God's done with us. Or secondly, he plans on doing it a different way than he did before. It's one of two things. God no longer wants to deal with humanity. And we know what happened last time, right? He told um, a guy to build a boat, right? He said, I'm done with humanity. So either God's done with us or he wants to do something different. That's what's going through their mind. That's what his disciples probably are thinking. And I got good news for you. He planned on doing something different. Right? He planned on doing something different. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, again, we already read it, but I want to read it again. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. So when one of the rules for calling yourself a Christian is you don't get to talk the way you want, you don't get to act the way you want, you don't sometimes don't even get to physically go to geographic places that you want because God says, I need you to go do this and I need you to behave this way. Now the beauty of it is, is that he knows that internally inside of ourselves we don't have the power to do it and so he empowers us through the Holy Spirit and the closer you draw to the Holy Spirit, the more power you get to do the things that God asks you to do. And so now we have, go to the second set, now the temple is gone And Jesus says, people are now where heaven 
intersects earth. And you and I are now literally the temple where the Holy Spirit resides, and we walk around. See, it used to be everybody had to go to the temple, right? And I think a lot of times churches think this way. We'll come to us. Come to us, and then we'll help you. But that's the mistake. You see, we make a mistake in church, and here's our biggest mistake. If the first time we meet you is when you walk through those doors, we failed. We should have met you in your environment, in your world, connecting to you, because we are now the temple to go out. Do you remember when Jesus died? When Jesus died, the Bible says that the veil was rent. There was a veil, right? So there's the Ark of the Covenant, and before you... before. And there were only certain people allowed in the Ark of the Covenant into that room. But between the Ark of the Covenant and the next room, there was a veil. Huge veil. It was three feet thick. It was probably, I, I don't remember off the top of my head how, how high it was. but several stories high, three feet thick curtain that was sewn. And it was thick. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. Now that allowed two things to happen. One, that allowed us into the holy of holies as people, as common men. Men with mistakes, women with mistakes, men and women who didn't want God, men and women who had their own flaws and problems. It allowed us access to God. But it allowed something, I think, even more beautiful. It allowed the Holy Spirit out. And no longer is the presence of God trapped in a room, but the presence of God now is inside of us. And now we take the presence of God with us. We take the presence of God with us to our workplace, to the movie theater, to family events. We take the presence of God with us wherever we go. And so no longer do we go into a room, but rather we go out. And that's the model of the church. Our job is to go out. That's why we do the hashtag for lapel. That's why we do the outreaches that we do. Our job is not to expect people to come to us, but rather our job is expect ourselves to go out to other people. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And so we now are the temple. And Jesus is making all of these statements in this single act. Animals out. This building serves no more purpose. Because the lamb that takes away the sins of the world is here. He makes a single solitary statement by driving out the animal saying this building doesn't serve its purpose. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, he says this. Paul writes to the church in Rome. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He says, what's one of the ways that you worship God? Well, you know, Again, types and shadows, right? They used to sacrifice animals. Well, if we are the temple, our job now is to sacrifice ourselves. Now, that that's, can be bloody and gory and an evil thought, or it can be, God, what do you want from me today as you crawl out of bed? God, what do you have for me today? Well, today I want you to skip your Rickers pop, and I want you to go over here and get a pop. And then suddenly you're like, that's really weird, but okay. And you do it, and you run into somebody who needs prayer. Do you think that was you? Do you think that was, we talked a few weeks ago that in the Bible there is no word for coincidence. It doesn't exist in the Jewish language. It's either appointed or it's God. There's only two words they used for coincidence. So you skip. You don't go here, but you go there, and you find somebody that needs prayer, and so you pray for them. That was God. 
that was God moving, you sacrificing something, though extremely small, I might add it in comparison, right, in comparison to what other Christians around the world sacrifice. But that is being led by the Holy Spirit. That is sacrificing. So if they sacrificed in the old temple, what do you think we have to do in this temple? Sacrifice. So if there are things, I want to encourage you that Maybe in 2018, you picked up some habits, or in 2018, you noticed some things about yourself that you didn't necessarily care for. I want to invite you in 2019 to take that thing to the altar and sacrifice it. Maybe looking back over 2018, you realized that, yeah, I told my boss I had the report done, but I really didn't. So I rushed back to my cube, got it done, and then submitted it, right? And so I told a little lie, and it didn't really hurt anybody because my boss never found out. Well... God knows and you know. That's enough, right? And so maybe there were things in 2018 that you need to sacrifice in this temple, that you need to remove in this temple. And so number one, God intended the temple to be the intersection between heaven and earth. But now Jesus says, no, 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 it's not that anymore. It's this, it's you. You are where heaven heaven and earth intersect. Secondly, the temple had become the economic hub of Israel. The economic hub of Israel. What do I mean by that? Well, the priests in the temple decided on things like the currency. They recorded people's debts and tracked people's debts. They set interest rates based on Jewish law. Um, It had become essentially the economic and banking hub of Israel. So not only was it a spiritual place, but it had been turned into a market and an economic hub. And as a result, the temple had become a symbol of oppression. The temple itself became a symbol of oppression. Why? If you owe debt, who did you pay it back to? People like Matthew, who was a disciple of Jesus. Before he was a disciple of Jesus, he was a tax collector. You go to the temple... And you pay your tax. You go to the temple. Oh, yeah, and if you owe a debt to so-and-so, you go back and you pay it to the temple. And all of the financial records for you, your family, your kids, the nation, were all kept at the temple. And the temple became not a symbol of religious freedom and a connection to God. It had become a symbol of oppression. And let me just say this, because I, I can say this as a pastor. I think... For too long, churches themselves have become symbols of oppression. You better do this and straighten up. You better stop this. You better go do this. You better. And churches have become a symbol of oppression. I don't blame people who don't want to go to church. Because we have oppressed the tar out of them. Rather than loving and caring, we have said, you better do this and you better straighten up and you better not do this and you da 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 This is why we started Fort LaPel because it's time that communities in our county, in our state, our nation, and our world realize what the church is for and not what the church is against. That's why we're doing this. It's time for us to stop being oppressive and it's time for us to start loving and to care for people. But think about it. Every time you went to, what if every time you went to worship, I came up as your pastor and said, did you pay so-and-so back? Because, you know, there's 3% interest on that. Some of you are like going, dear God, please, 3% interest. (laughs) Right? But 
Seriously, think about that. Every time you went to church, what if you were oppressed? You better pay them back. You better do it. You better do this. You better fix that. You better resolve that. And so the temple had become a place of financial oppression. And Jesus, like he always does, was about to free it from the financial oppression. Because it says in there that not only did he drive out the animals, but what did he overturn? The money table. Now we think on the surface, oh, that's where I gave them five bucks. They gave me a dove so I could go sacrifice for covering my sins. That's part of a money table. That's like the tip of the iceberg. The money table is where you went to pay your debts. The money table is where they recorded the debt of your family and your friends. It was simply a table of oppression in the temple of oppression. So when Jesus walks in and overturns the money tables, and some historians even say that Jesus ripped the debt books, what he is declaring again in a single act is this will no longer be a place of oppression, and all of your debts are clear. Because once he overturns the money tables, the nation of Israel has no way to know whose debt is whose. Think about that for a minute. You are now absolved of all of your debt because this guy came in and ripped everything up. It was a physical act that was going to symbolize his work spiritually. You are no longer, when you accept Christ, he goes, debts are gone. Spiritual debt is gone. Spiritual demand for you is gone. You no longer have to feel the oppression of, i got to do this, and I have to do that, and I better do this, or, or, or I'm going to be judged. Jesus said, no, it's gone. It's over. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't judge me. Listen, if Jesus isn't going to judge you, and he ripped up everybody's debt in the temple, there ain't a soul on this planet that can judge you or condemn you for what you have or have not done. Your audience is an audience of one in heaven the day you die. And that's all you have to worry about. Now, that's, you, you say amen, right? Like, whoa, that's it. Now, it, but believe me, it's going to be a serious conversation the day you get up there, right? It's not going to be, it'll be a serious conversation. But if you're washed under the blood of the lamb and you say, God has removed all of my debt, which was symbolic in the temple, think about what he's doing in the temple. He says, This isn't where I'm going to reside. The debt doesn't matter anymore. You're not going to have to sacrifice animals. He's making a huge statement of what's to come. It is a type and shadow of what's going to happen to every single person that ever chooses to acknowledge Christ. That's huge. Your debts are covered. Jesus says, you destroy this temple. There's coming a day when your debt your spiritual debt, your emotional debt, all of that is wiped clean the day you choose to accept Jesus. It's gone, vanished, vanquished. It's done. And he's making this statement. Man, you guys like have, have already had like a million amen opportunities already this morning, right? He's making a physical statement that reflects as a type and shadow of what's going to happen. And then a third, and perhaps the biggest, the closing point is this. Only kings were allowed to make sweeping changes to the temple. Only kings. Priests could administer and 
sacrifice and forgive sins. Priests, there was a group of priests that maintained. They were kind of the custodians of the temple. There were sects of priests, sections of priests that, that were given certain responsibilities in the temple. But only a king could go in and completely clean house in a temple. Think about this. David planned it. Solomon built it. Hezekiah, Josiah, and Judah cleansed it. Zerubbabel and Herod the Great rebuilt it twice. All kings, only kings could make sweeping changes inside the temple. What do you think happens in their eyes when Jesus goes in and just eliminates the animals, eliminates everybody's debt, and cleans house? What do you think his disciples are doing? Oh, snap. Right? Um, You know, really, right now, the only person that should be allowed to do this is Caesar. Right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what do you think the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests are doing? Who made you king? He's making a physical declaration, I am king. And I will do in this temple what I want to do in this temple. And that's the beauty of accepting Christ. Because when you say, Jesus, now my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You come and do in me whatever you want to do. Because he is king. And he gets to do whatever he wants to do in the temple. And so he makes a statement, I am king. And I do not appreciate the way you're using this building. And he cleans it. And he eliminates the debt. And he gets rid of the animals. And he says, what was meant to be a pipeline for the Holy Spirit to intersect earth and to change the planet, you have clogged up with a bunch of junk. And here's what I think. If we were all to be honest with ourselves and look internally, 2018 may have been a year that you spiritually got clogged. It's time to get the spiritual Drano out and unclog. So that in 2019, you can allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you freely. You see, I think too many times we allow habits, negative words, negative thoughts. Right? We, we, we are all pretty aware of obvious physical sin, right? Adultery, um, drunkenness, murder lying, we're all pretty aware of the outside physical sin. But you see, that outside physical sin is simply a result of sin that's inside clogging the pipes. Well, why did I lie? Well, I didn't want to be found out. Oh, pride, right? Why did I say that? Well, I wanted acceptance. Oh, I don't feel accepted by my heavenly father, so I had to say that to get accepted. You see, the real sin is not what happens on the outside. The real sin is what's causing the outward sin to manifest. The outward sin is just simply manifestation of what's happening on the inside. And when the inside gets clogged, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, right, Jesus says that when you have the Holy Spirit in you, and this is where the name of the church comes from, in the book of John, it says that, When the Holy Spirit is in you and he's operating, he will flow through you like a river. And that's our goal for you. That's why the church has its name. We want everybody who encounters our movement to come to a place, whether they don't ever know Jesus, never heard the name Jesus, or whether they've just been stuck spiritually, we want them to come to a place 
where the Holy Spirit just flows through them, and the flow is natural like a river. You ever been to a river? It just flows. It doesn't think about, oh, I better get up and move today. I better get from this rock over to that tree. It doesn't think. It just moves. And I can tell you, people that are connected to the Holy Spirit, whose spiritual pipelines aren't clogged, they just say things. You're like, well, where did that come from? And it just flows, and it's natural. Have you ever ran into anybody like that? Let me see your hand if you ran into somebody like that before. Yeah, they're just naturally flowing in the Spirit. That's what we want for you. Hopefully, that's what you want for yourself. And so Jesus comes, he says, no, 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 no. The intersection between heaven and earth has gotten clogged. I'm doing away with this physical building. I'm going to move in through you as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is no longer your own. Your body no longer belongs to you. And so... Jesus, in this single act of clearing the temple, he makes three big statements, right? Number one, he says, the intersection of heaven and earth is changing, and it's no longer going to be a building. It's going to be you. You carry heaven with you wherever you go. Two, he says, the debts are gone. I'm ripping them up. It's over. Whatever you've done in 2018 that you regret, that you're sad over, that you're like, man, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? Jesus goes, it's gone. Ask for forgiveness. It's gone. You now walk around with no more debt. No more, you don't owe God anything other than your life. Take it. Take it all. In fact, in my personal, I wasn't going to share this, but in my personal time with God this week, as I was reading and praying and going through a couple of devotionals, I, I had this phrase, and it's kind of corny, okay? So you're going to get a, a, kind of a sneak peek into my personal life with God. And I said, Haya, Haya, H, H-I-A, Haya, Haya. I said, Haya. And I thought in my prayers, Tyson, that was the dumbest thing. What in the world? And just like inside my spirit goes, yeah, have it all. Have it all. Have my wife, have my kids, have my house, have my car, have my thoughts, my desires. Hi, you God. Have it all. And every morning when I get up now, it's been, hi, you God. Today, take it all. Have it all. It's all yours anyway. But I want to freely give it back to you for you to use how you want so that I don't clog myself up spiritually so that you have to come in and clean this temple the way you clean that one. I don't want that. I want a loving relationship with you. And so this morning, in closing, if we, if, and I know it's true, are the temple of God, we are designed by God. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart. Before you were ever born, I knew who you were, and I have set you apart. And if we are, and we are, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and 2018 has clogged your spiritual pipeline, there's only one person that can clean your temple. It's a king. Only one person is allowed to come in and clean your life up. Oh, you can stop habits and create new habits, and you can 
examine your psyche, but only one person can clean the deepest part of you, and that's Jesus. And so my question for you this morning is this. Are you going to allow him to clean up the mess that was made in 2018 so that in 2019 you can let the river flow through you? Will you say, King of kings and Lord of lords, come into my life and clean this thing up? Let's stand up. This morning, maybe you were here, and maybe, just maybe, you, you've allowed your pipeline to get clogged. I'm going to ask for Lynn and Amy to come up here on this side, and, and I'm going to ask for um, Steve and Bonnie to, to come over here on this side. And they're going to be here, up here specifically for you, for whatever's clogging your pipeline that God's made you aware of. But I want to open up the entire front. Maybe you've made a comment this year. Maybe you've not spent time with God like you should. Can we clean out whatever happened to us in 2018 so that we can go into 2019 with a clean pipeline for the Holy Spirit to flow through? Can we do that? The biggest sign of spiritual maturity is obedience to what God's asked you to do. The biggest sign to spiritual maturity isn't how many Bible verses you memorize, how many times you attend church. The biggest sign of spiritual maturity is obedience to the Holy Spirit. And then the result is memorizing Bible verses and attending church and serving and so on. But the biggest sign is obedience. So if you need prayer specifically for something, you can come up and see one of them. But I'm going to open up this entire altar and ask God to forgive you. God, clean my pipeline. Come in and clean my temple. I do not want to clog up what heaven wants to do through me.